2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com. All right. Well, hello and welcome to the Last Nighters. We are the Last Nighters talking about movies, doing film analysis from an interesting perspective. My name is Daniel. My host is Robert. And tonight we're going to talk about Gamer on the third running of the Last Nighters uh, film analysis show. Unconventional, real unconventional film analysis. So let's dive. That is us. Let's dive right in. We're going to do the Google description. Gamer, 2009 thriller action starring Gerard Butler, Mr. 300. Also starring uh, our friend from Dexter. I uh, don't have his name, Michael C. Hall, uh, which we'll refer to them as 300 and Michael C. or as uh, Dexter probably throughout. But, and Old uh, Spice. And Old Spice, there you go. So uh, 5.8 on the IMDb, 27% Rotten Tomatoes. People hated it. Two snaps up. Uh, 73% of Google users like it, though. And here is the description. Each week, Cable, played by Gerard Butler, a death row inmate, battles his fellow prisoners in a violent online game called Slayers. His every move controlled by a young gamer's remote device. To the players, Cable and the other inmates are just simulated characters, but to a resistance group that opposes the game's inventor, Cable is a critical component of their plan to end the inventor's form of high-tech slavery. Came out in 2009, a box office of $42 million on a $50 million budget. So a bit of a uh, box office disappointment here, but I think... As as we ana- uh, do our analysis, we'll, it'll, it'll be abundantly clear why that is. But uh, any questions or comment on the uh, initial portion here? Uh, well, I take umbrage with the idea of high-tech slavery. Um, yes, it's the, by the way, spoilers for everything, of course. Um, Dexter's evil plan is to, init- at the end, slavery everybody up without their knowledge and, of course, aggress against their brains and take control of them and have them be puppets on his strings. But initially... Um, it's a completely voluntary thing. There's this game, I forget what it's called, like real life or something like that. Society. Society, okay. And uh, 300's wife works there. And for a certain part of the day, she dresses up in whatever the user wants her to dress up in. And then vicariously, these people live up their virtual lives through these other people. Um, But is is this making some sort of an ANCOM claim that, if you voluntarily do something, it's, it's slavery, like they're wage slaves. Yeah, I got a, a big flavor of these people were not given many other opportunities. So it was almost the exploitation theory, like there was no other opportunities available to them. So they had to subjugate themselves to uh, allow other people to control them via this society game. And there were many people who were paying to want to control others and live vicariously through them. So in that sense, I can see how the perspective is that it is slavery because they had no other option. So it is almost making that ANCOM argument or that Marxist comment, you know? Well, if this is a true, if there really is zero other option, it's only because there is some horrific government intervention or regulation preventing them from becoming entrepreneurs. And they're really, their they're, they're options to earn a living are shrunken down so much that this is the only thing they have left. But that we're not told that in the movie. All we're told is that this is a really popular thing, and certain people are 
obviously getting this is the best job that they can get, and other people really love it and are willing to pay the price to control other people. Now, yeah, is, there, is there any kind of ethical issue, do you think, in the, the service itself, I think is a more interesting question. Well, my friend who recommended it suggested that the game society, where people can live their fantasies vicariously through others and can physically control them, like taking their, their volition away from them, uh, is akin to how people may perceive libertarianism or an ideal libertarianism uh, realized in the world, sort of that uninformed or misperception of what it would be because they're basically partying and drinking and drugging and raping and all this stuff uh, within the game, all of these things that wouldn't otherwise be permitted in real life, but because it's within a game, then it's sort of a free-for-all. Right. Well, I, I still, and I think in a libertarian society, um, if you voluntarily join up and become one of these puppet people, uh, the puppeteer would still be liable for any kind of property violations. So if someone controlling you committed rape with your body, that person still committed rape. Well, doubly, right? Right. <laughs> right. In, so. in a way. Well, I mean, I guess because the person volunteered to allow themselves to be controlled, I guess sort of... I mean, it would depend on the terms, right? What you're actually agreeing to. <laughs> right. Terms of service. Yeah. Because, yeah, anyway, I mean, there are sex clubs where you, you know, voluntarily go in there and you agree that certain things are going to be available to happen to you and that you're going to be able to do other things to other people. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. That's all completely voluntary. So long as you have, I guess, many of them would have, quote unquote, a safe word, right? I don't, I don't know well, how this works. Got, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are certain rules. Everybody's got you know, safe words or everybody's giving their consent. There are certain rules by which this, this situation operates. And everyone that's participating in it is giving their consent. I mean, it, the movie is fuzzy on all the details, of course, because it's a movie and it's trying to tell a story. And it's just trying to set up this premise and whatnot. But I think if this thing actually did exist, I think some form of this could actually exist in some sort of a libertarian future. Or even a non-libertarian future, just a future in general, right? Like once the Kurzweil, what's it called, the singularity or the synergy, once you, AI. Can, sort of, yeah, once yeah. you can sort of meld more human organic with machine, you know, the, the rise of the Terminator kind of shit, uh, you, you might be able to see some of this. And, and one of the future movies we're going to talk about is Ghost in the Shell, which takes it even beyond this to, to another level. And these are all very interesting and uh, uh, moral and ethical questions that, that come into play when this kind of thing happens. But since we're trying to, to move along through this, why don't we get into a couple of our categories? Um, one of them is how many tears jerked. And I think that there's only one underlying moment where there might be some emotion, and that is the family, his, his wife and daughter, and how they're taken from him. And the state is involved with keeping the daughter away from the wife. And, of course, then the daughter is, I guess, put into care or custody of Dexter, the evil quintessential capitalist villain who's kind of a cross between Gates and Zuckerberg and Bezos, whose goal is controlling all people all the time to get them to buy only his products and vote the way he wants them to vote and all this stuff. Uh, but then at the end, he's, of course, controlling 300 and tries to get him to kill his own daughter. So that's, that's the emotional component. Uh, any comment? And then a, a number of tears jerked out of you. Oh, there's like a, this, my entire rant is based on the emotional content of this movie. So this might be, a, this might, forgive me if this takes a minute. Uh, this movie could not connect with me on any level. There was the main point at which the movie slowed down long enough when it wasn't just trying to give me a seizure to have this government bureaucrat guy tell this mother that the state was loved the kid more than the mother or was a better parent, would be a better parent and be able to take care of the kid better 
and I basically asked the mother, you know, if she really loved the kid and stuff, or if this is, you know, in her best interest to, to have a loving parent as opposed to the state. And that just, that gets my goat every time. The idea that some strangers that don't care and have no incentive to compete with anybody else have the incentive and the love for this child that they don't know, as opposed to this person that carried the baby and, you know, gave birth to the baby and is caring for the baby for as long as it's been alive. That just incenses me to no end. I mean, there are instances of true child abuse where I advocate for some people coming in, stepping into absolutely when the parents are aggressing or unable to care for the child. But this is not what's happened in this movie. We're not given any kind of evidence that this mother is an unfit parent of any kind. And the last person I would give custody to is anybody that the state determines to be qualified or capable. I mean, you've got a conflict of interest here where 300 is fighting for his life in this death murder game that is being put on by Dexter. So there's a direct conflict of interest where you would give that guy's child to Dexter? I mean, clearly we're saying that, you know, Dexter is this all-powerful dude and he's got strings to pull and of course he's going to pull them to give the child to him. But if any 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 sane human being would go, no, that looks like a conflict of interest, no. <laughs> but uh, at the end, yeah, where Dexter is like making him kill his daughter, um, I just couldn't, there was nothing in this movie that allowed me to care about anything that was happening. And that my main complaint, forgive me, this rant's continuing and it's going to continue for a little bit further, my main complaint is the hyperkinetic style that this movie is done in. This movie is done in such a epilepsy, seizure-inducing style that is just a series of images set to music. There's even one series in the movie that is an actual music video. This movie is done in such a cut, 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 um, uh, you know, extra saturated colors and just flashing scenes that I don't, you don't know anything of the context of what's happening. Um, he's thrown into these battle scenes. You don't know what his goals are. You don't know who he's up against. All you get are flashes and these little vignettes of action of him shooting somebody in the head and then him shooting another person in the head and then another and then another and then explosion, explosion, explosion. And the audience has no context of what's happening, what the goals are, what he's up against. So you don't know what the stakes are. You don't know what the tension. There's no, so there's zero tension. All you're doing is seeing a series of images flash across the screen. Um, and it happens throughout the entire damn movie. There's one scene, it's just a little throwaway scene, but it stuck out to me because it was so ridiculous and stupid. There's a scene where Gerald Butler, 300, well, first of all, there's one scene where he, he drinks a bunch of alcohol and then he, he pours it into a car when he could have just taken the damn bottle. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that was another question anyway, I had for you. Yeah, yeah, it was so stupid. It was so stupid. He like, gets wasted and everybody's going, what's going on? This is your like last one. You got to survive. And he's like stumbling around this battle scene when he could have just grabbed the bottle. Anyway, so then he meets up, he escapes, and he meets up with this resistance lady, and they get on a motorcycle. And then the scene is shot in such a way, it's like it's a dynamic chase scene where they're like riding through hallways and little areas, and they're kind of getting in the way of some people, and some people are kind of like a, being offended by this motorcycle driving by, and we kind of think maybe there's somebody chasing them, but we don't know, and we don't know where they're going. We don't know who, if there really is somebody chasing them, or people are just getting offended because, yeah, you're driving down a freaking hallway. So it's just left with just a nothing scene. It could have easily been cut out, and it would have been better. You just, hey, I meet the, the resistance lady. Eh, she takes us to the resistance base, because we don't know how far they need to go. We don't know what the obstacles are in the way. We don't know why they're going. It, 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 
the scenes just make no sense, and the, and the entire movie just makes no sense. The entire movie is just a series of, well, here's some action, and you don't know any of the stakes or the context. And so in that sense, finally getting back to my point, I had zero emotional connection. The only time I got upset a little bit was when the wife was talking to the bureaucrat about the baby. Um, other than that, it was a big nothing burger of a movie. Um, I thought it asked some interesting questions, but zero. Zero tears jerked. Sorry for that super long-winded response, but I had to get that out of me. This movie just uh, it frustrated me. All right, yeah, I would agree. Uh, very few tears jerked. I think that they tried to throw in the emotional element with the family dynamic, but it was not, not well done. It felt like it was just thrown in there for the sake of doing it. Much like many of the action scenes like you were talking about, like the motorcycle scene, yeah, the, the, it's shot like a chase scene. They're going through corridors. They're trying to get away from something, but no, they're really just going somewhere. <laughs> it didn't make yeah. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, why, why film it like a chase scene when you're just going for a ride somewhere? I, I just, it, it, it let the audience expect something and then it took it away and it ended up just making no sense. Yeah, it was a total tease. So let's get into the, to the next category. So basically, zero to one tears jerk. So very low on our first category here. Uh, the next category I want to introduce is internal consistency. So the movie presents a world and then how, how do they stick to it logically? Like, do they stick within the confines that they've created or do they break those confines? Uh, an example I'll point out is in the initial opening action sequence where they overlay computer graphics, like first person uh, shoot 'em up type game, there's all this, you know, save point and uh, kill and, and here's how much ammo you have left, you know, like you're playing uh, Call of Duty or something like that. So they, they show save points happening mid-game, but then it's a real person being played in the game by another person. So if you get killed, what is the point of a save point? Because your guy's dead, right? And then later on, they say, oh, this last one, they're not even going to let you get to a save point because, you know, the fix is in. And the save point there is defined as the end of that round or whatever, right? He's got to do 30 battles to be able to be freed. Uh, by the way, I like this movie better the first time when I saw it called The Running Man, to throw my David Spade out at you. Uh, it's almost an identical copy of The Running Man here. But, yeah, uh, it is. It's a big TV, big violent murder TV show. So yeah. all you, you're missing is just the host. Yeah, the Richard Dawson, who uh, he was great in The Running Man, by the way. But what do you think of that, like the internal consistency problem? Uh, you mentioned one earlier uh, with the motorcycle and the, and the escape, but did you notice the save point thing being an issue? And are there any others that you can identify or recall? Well, yeah, I see the, I mean, they, they called the movie Gamer and they wanted to set up this situation where, you know, there's a ping and the character is being controlled by this other person. So they had the, the gamer nomenclature and whatnot. I mean, they even have a guy like teabag somebody in the very beginning of the movie. But yeah, the save point situation made no sense, uh, especially if the save point was not, you know, just the one at the end of the level or whatever. If there were multiple ones in between, what did that even signify or mean? Because yeah, the guy just, he, he goes until he dies. But so, yeah, I don't really have um, other kind of consistency things other than I mean, at the very end of the movie. The guy finds out that, of course, you know, Dexter has his kid. So this evil Bill Gatesian genius guy, um, apparently he lives in a house with zero security because 300 just walks in. And then there's this really dumb dance-off fight scene that was just, like, ridiculous. I mean, I'm, I'm, one, I'm all for the main villain guy being some eccentric millionaire billionaire guy where he's just weird and maybe he's got some kind of, like, henchman thugs that like to dance and stuff, and, like, he makes moves and whatever, kind of doing, like, his Heath Ledger kind of a take on a villain, like, giving him some personality. Great. I'm all for that. 
But the idea that, well, I'm just going to have Jerry Butler walk in and then we're going to have some dance-off fight scene seemed really, really struggled to fit my brain into this, this, this world that they've created. Because which is it? Is this guy some all-powerful dude or is he just like anybody could just walk right in to his house? It didn't seem to jive well with me. Um, but other than that, I mean, the movie is full of kind of weird inconsistencies that I would probably have to go back through and really look through, and I just don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> not, not really worth it. <laughs> I mean, how are the, how's the guy controlling the guy? Is it, there's some sort of a body Xbox 360 controller where he kind of motions, or is Jerry Butler actually motioning and doing it all? Uh, it seemed to kind of waffle a little bit on that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know, man. Well, to talk uh, about the ease of entry into the guy's house, it was because it was a trap. He knew that, that 300 was going to come to his house because he had his daughter. So he allowed that to happen and even had that like Mirage-type lifelike video screen that looked like the daughter was there and he ran into the wall before the dance-off. Do you remember that? Yeah, but why? why what, my question is why would he even care about having this kid at all? Does he not have the power to kill Jerry Butler at any time? Well, he tried to. Several times he brought in uh, Terry Crews, the uh, president from Idiocracy. Yeah, he had Old Spice try and kill him. But real easy solution to trying to kill this guy. Instead of having your dance-off thriller dance situation, it was like a scene from West Side Story, have all your henchmen guys have a gun, plus you also. Plus, you know, set up, you've got like this, if it's a trap, you could have a million different ways to trap this guy so that none of this ever happens. But... Um, I don't know. It seemed to me like this was a movie that had a really low budget and it was trying to cover up with a bunch of flash and style. That's, it, that's what struck me in this movie. Yeah, it seemed like uh, Dexter was definitely trying to be that eccentric Bond villain, so you couldn't just kill him, even though he attempted to kill him several other times previously. But he had plenty of opportunity, and then, of course, he has to monologue, and he has to like demonstrate his power, and he has to make him crawl on his belly and almost kill his own kid to, to prove what? I mean, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, other than he was trying to demonstrate that his technology could overcome somebody's free will. So maybe that was like the ultimate test. Let's take it back a, a notch. Um, Dexter wants to kill 300 because 300 knows too much, right? He knows that he was under mind control when he killed the guy. So why didn't the, that come out in court? Why didn't, I mean, when he was being put in jail, why didn't that come out? Why can't he just tell somebody? Why isn't that always on everybody's mind ever whenever a murder happens or when any kind of crime occurs? Hey, uh, there's this whole society where people are mind-controlled as a job and other people mind-control them. Anytime a crime occurs, uh, this whole system that's under, under control of Dexter is going to be called into question every single time. All right, I have a response to you already. So it's Good. a timeline, timeline thing. So he allegedly murdered the guy with video evidence four years prior to the events of the movie. And this was before society became a thing. So they, they did a little, like, we, did, we were doing testing on soldiers, and there were some adverse effects. And so the whole thing is going to get scrapped. So they ended up making 300 kill his buddy and videoing it. Presumably that video evidence, and because the whole notion of society and, and the slayers and the mind control stuff wasn't yet prevalent, he got convicted prior to any of that. So he's already in jail on death row. Okay, and then, so you're and then saying they reintroduced, that it did come out in court and everybody didn't believe him? I'm saying it's possible that he just got railroaded because of the video evidence, and this was before society was a thing, right? He was part of the experiments, and then the experiments were shut down, and then the tech reemerged later as society. Okay, so you're telling me that this, the, the experiment was just to see if I could get somebody to kill somebody. How good it is, right? How good, how good is the tech 
That's why I'm going to have Jerry Butler kill this dude, this rando dude. Well, that might be part of it. I think there was some allusion to they were perfecting their cells so they don't age, and it was to extend longevity and all of these things, but there were adverse effects or reactions that caused it to be shut down. And they're a bit fuzzy on these details. Uh, this was when... The whole movie is fuzzy. Yeah, Ludacris and the tech girl were talking about, like, the healthcare system's about to collapse, and the prison system was overloaded, and here comes this Ken Castle, uh, Dexter, with the solution, right, to finance all the prisons with this gladiatorial-style combat, running man-style uh, combat to pay-per-view the Coliseum Arena gladiator stuff to then finance the prison system. Uh, so it, it, it's internally a little bit weird, but I, I, I can sort of see in my head that he got convicted prior to it being accepted that someone's mind could be, or their body could be controlled uh, beyond their own free will. And so he's riding okay. away in prison, and then society comes out, and perhaps if he were retried, then that would be a viable defense. But because it wasn't at the time uh, known, they would have just thought he's a crazy person because there's video of him doing it. Okay, so we're just going to assume then that Jerry Butler was just waiting for his retrial. His motions were being considered yeah, perhaps. at the time of the movie. <laughs> All right, so one more comment on this. So it does seem to be a very dystopian uh, world, and uh, it's, it's a little bit weird. It's almost like there's a totalitarian government controlling whether people can have their own kids, uh, yet they're allowing all of this uh, behavior that would be outlawed in real life uh, in the game, including the Slayers game, like murdering people, right? You are convicted of murder, so your one chance at freedom is to go into this arena and murder more people 30 times, and then you're free. Makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, what kind of moral message is that sending to society? You're, you're, yeah. you're guilty of murder, and that's the worst thing ever. So how do you redeem yourself by, by murdering a whole bunch of more people? That, that just strikes me as absurd. And, of course, the movie is trying to say that that's absurd also. But in order for it to connect with the audience, I think the audience has to find some kind of credible, credibility to that possibility. And I just don't see that. I mean, yes, we live in an insane world. Yes, we do. And there's plenty of things that exist that I would say, well, that would never happen. So it's possible, but only impossible in the insane kind of world that we live in, which, fair enough. Yeah, now I want to touch on, on two things. Uh, one, again, is that dystopianness. There's billboards everywhere. It's like Blade Runner slash uh, Ghost in the Shell style slash Wally. -E. Like it borrows those environmental aspects uh, to create, you know, the billboards on the buildings and, and the motion graphics, even on the pyramids and Giza and all this stuff. And it's like they borrowed things from everywhere else, right? Minority Report, 1984. Uh, all of this stuff. Um, oh, man, I just forgot what else I was going to say. Uh, I hate this. Getting old sucks, man. Yeah, I know. Daniel just recently turned 40. Make fun of him. Yep. Make fun, people. Make fun while it lasts. Um, no, you're right. It, it, it does borrow from all that. It very much wears its influences, honestly, is this movie. Um, although I'd say this movie work, looks a lot worse than those movies you just talked about. Uh, this is a movie where lefties don't really exist. Because um, if there were a whole bunch of people being you know, murdered and brutalized and murdered and being given the option to to free themselves by murdering other voluntary participants. I mean, we could ask if that's really a question. Is this really truly voluntary? These people are being held in a cage, and then they're saying, well, you can get out of this cage, but only if you murder a bunch of other people. Um, I think that the, the people in the world wouldn't just be cheering on. I think there would be a whole bunch of people horrified and protesting this at every turn. But in this movie, you're just given like, the idea that this is universally acclaimed and everybody's rooting for 300 to win because he's like super world famous. 
Yeah, yeah, it does become that gladiatorial, you know, are you not entertained thing. And, and I do now remember what I was going to say is that because it's a game, it's almost like there's a sense of detachment from it being real. So even when all this murdering is happening on pay-per-view, people are cheering it on. They're saying, yeah, kill him, kill him, you know, blow him up. And, and they try to make the point like, oh, these are real, you know, real bodies. These are real people. But even in the, uh, within the game society, when the thugs are chasing 300 and his girlfriend or his wife through the disco club and people are being murdered, they're chanting. Like the people within the game society are like, kill, 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 you know, like, like because yeah, it's a that, game, that it's less real. Yeah, it's totally Sorry, I don't mean to, I'm, I'm going to go off a tangent on what you just were just talking about because you bring up the disco scene. And the disco scene for me was, oh, yeah, well, because there isn't enough epileptic seizure-inducing bullshit in this movie, we need to go into a disco where it's even more over the top. Um, this movie, to me, like I've already talked about the style over the substance, I'm sorry. I'm going to rant a little bit more. There's um, the action scenes and the, well, all the action in the movie. I mean, the whole movie is shot like one big action scene, sort of. There are slow scenes, which are to the movie's benefit. But the action seemed to be more about how many bullets can I fire? How many cars can I flip? How many explosions can I have? And then that's going to be a good tension-filled action scene. And they're totally wrong because you have to – I mean, I think Jerry Butler did a perfectly fine job. I thought he did good with what he was given. Um, he's a decent actor. But I didn't give one shit about his character because I didn't feel – and maybe there was, that was a movie he was trying to say is that, you know, this is like a video game, first game, first person type thing where you have all this violence and horrificness, and it just doesn't seem... It seems real, but it's not real. Um, so maybe it was making some sort of a meta... But it is real. Claim. Yeah, but I don't yeah, know, man. Detachment, right? It's, yeah, yeah, right, the detachment from the actual violence. And this movie, you are detached from the actual violence because it, it was like a Michael Bay movie, where it's just like, how much shit can I cram into the frame? And then have it all just be meaningless. All right, so let's get into another area. And that is when Cable frees himself by not smuggling the vodka in, but ingesting it and then vomiting it up and urinating it into the truck that accepts ethanol. Like why he couldn't just bring it in because he was about to, I mean, they were like telling him to go in, right? And, and here he yeah. is like slamming this thing. So he clearly yeah, could have brought it in. Like a, there wasn't a, like a glass, you know, checkpoint or anything like that. Like you can't bring this in or whatever. I mean, maybe he didn't want the, the glass to get shot, but he also didn't want to get shot himself. So, you know, if he gets shot, then the glass getting shot, too. Who cares? You're dead. What do you care? So, yeah, that, that whole scene didn't make any sense to me, why he wanted to get drunk and potentially have, be at further risk of getting killed. Yeah, it, it was just stupid. And then all of a sudden, it's, you know, as soon as he vomits it back up and pees it out, then all of a sudden he's, he's perfectly sober. And, you know, adrenaline tends to sober people up, but, it, yeah, it was bad. Um, can I just make one, one quick claim about this society? Um, and this is fairly true worldwide, or at least in the United States. Um, the claim is made in this movie that all the prisoners that are fighting for their lives, you know, deserve to die, and that they they've all they're all been convicted on death row and whatever, and that this is a good thing that they're voluntarily choosing to, you know, get out of jail, as if this is some sort of redemption thing. Like their victim is dead. Them, you know, how is this justice in any way for the you know the victim or whatever? But the state, at least in the United States, the federal conviction rate is 93%. And that has gone up and only up um, over the years. Uh, and, and the feds are proud of this. Uh, can imagine that either they're incredibly good at their jobs or that there are a ton of innocent people that are locked away behind bars in federal prison. 
So I, I wouldn't support anything like this ever for that simple fact. You can't trust the state to do anything, let alone decide who lives and dies or who goes to jail for life. Um, so, yeah, uh, this whole idea is horrific to me on a personal level. All right. Well, that's a very good point, but uh, we do need to, to keep it snappy and move along. So let's move on to two other things. Uh, I'll, I'll mention them real quickly here, and then we can talk about each one. Uh, when the game player gets arrested and what happens to him, and then also within the game society, when 300 goes in to retrieve his wife, right before the discotheque scene, the epileptic seizure scene, Gerard murders Rick Rape, and he is in the game, and he has been hired himself out to be in the game, so he's technically not working through his own will, right? There's, a, there's someone controlling him, and yet Butler murders him uh, in response to him about to rape his wife, I guess. And I could sort of like, if it was the guy controlling himself doing it, sure, something needs to happen there. It needs to be prevented, but because of the... Wait, wait. Hold on. What are we talking about now? Which scene? Before uh, the disco scene? Right before the disco scene when he goes into the game society to retrieve his wife, when 300 goes in there, and she's in this hotel with Rick Rape. With who? Rick Rape. Describe this character. I don't remember this character. All right. So when she goes into society after being dressed up by the big fat guy controlling her, and one of the yeah. selection uh, outfits is um, Pris from Blade Runner, but he, he opts for this uh, other thing, other outfit. But she's in the bar getting yeah. a drink with the worm in it. And then the guy hops over the bench and sits next to her and is like, oh, I thought you weren't allowed in here anymore. And he goes, I was a bad boy, but now I'm back. And then they go to this hotel room. Is this ringing a bell at all? <laughs> no. She's wearing the super tight blue shorts. <laughs> and he's... Is this, the, is this where Cruz comes in and kidnaps her? No. Well, okay. This is well, way, look, okay. This is sort of. Yes. Yes. It's... it's all right. Yeah, because then Jerry Butler killed for the guy. Yes, kills the guy. Not not Terry Crews. He kills him as right. well. But well, actually, no. He, wait, that's at the very very end. But there's a guy. He goes into the hotel. She goes into the hotel room with, and then 300 kills that guy. Right. Who is being controlled by another dude? Yes, that's my whole point. Yes. <laughs> yes right. I okay. I remember the scene. Yes, and then Cruz comes and grabs his wife for no reason, and then shotguns Jerry Butler, and then Jerry Butler beats the elevator down to the basement, the lobby, and then they have a big dumb fight and whatever. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Right. So my question to you is, did Jerry not murder this guy who was he murdered the yeah he murdered that guy I don't think that guy signed up to be murdered <laughs> involved his consent all right I mean all right. it's right the, Jerry Butler he objects to his wife being working in this business I guess as does the caseworker but he for, must for the government. fully right as does the caseworker but and this is her choice to do this and we assume I mean maybe she's done similar things like this before I mean the whole the whole thing is being controlled by some other person I would imagine it's in the term of agreement that you know, you, your body may be used for sexual purposes. It certainly seems to be happening uh, in the flash epileptic shots of, of the uh, society game. Right. And uh, everything leading up to, you know, up, up to sex. I mean, you're all wearing like these super tight, skin tight booty shorts and she's like bending over all provocatively all the time and grabbing herself and whatnot. So I think, you know, she's not surprised, I would imagine, by this series of events. So, yeah, I think Jerry Butler just comes in and murders that guy. I mean, he's not... He's not controlling himself, right? Right, right. So this is the first instance where he's actually killing an innocent person within this whole movie. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. All right. So let's move on to when the, uh, the kid... Although is, he's been murdering all the other convicts who are probably innocent, more than possibly, likely innocent. Possibly innocent. Many of them. Many yeah. of them. <laughs> sure, sure. But this sure. is the first, like, civilian, right? Like, not within the, the Slayers game. 
Right, not within the Slayers game. I mean, he's Jerry Butler is innocent, right, of that first murder that he's put in jail for. And, you know, all these other murders are called into question. So all these people that he's gunning down are likely just fighting for their lives. You know, I mean, even the... Um, the uh, janitor guy that we actually right. get to talk to a little bit. But they are also trying to kill him, so, you know. Yeah, but they're all fighting for their lives. I mean, it's right. all gladiatorial combat, right, to try right. and escape. Right. All right, so moving on. So the, true got... moral, the true moral actors are the people setting up the game. Right, the, the Dexter guy and the government, right? Because Dexter, early on in the interview with, uh, what's her name, Kira Sedgwick, he says, oh, this is U.S. government approved, baby. We're paying for and prison it's voluntary. Here. Voluntary, people right. love it. 68%, uh, a cock hard 68% voted for this thing. Right, and these people are voluntarily signing up to do this to get out of jail. Right, so within the premises, yeah, it's all, it's still, it's still a mess. But I wanted to get it's to this because, because we have about 10 minutes left. Uh, okay. When the kid gets arrested for aiding and abetting a, a, a convict escaping a federal facility, the, the murder gladiator arena, uh, they lock him in this room with uh, this guy who reminds me of the guy from 21 Jump Street, the captain. I don't know if it's him, but it, it, it's somebody like him. But he's got no lawyer present. They tell him that they're going through his hard drives. They seized all of his stuff. They're going through his internet history for the past 10 years, right? Because they've got it all prisms, right? They've got it all in their data center. They've frozen yep. his father's assets because his money potentially financed the escape and all of this stuff. Yep. Uh, that seems pretty fucking dystopian and crazy, right? Like, they're leaning on him real hard uh, on that. And I just wanted to yes, get your Yes, they are, even though, even though they're playing in this game set up by Dexter. I would think that Dexter would be the one called into question and arrested. It's, it's all set up by him. I mean, the kid is just a player in the game. I mean, we were only given this one gamer. We're not showing all the other gamers controlling all the other people, right? So, and, and we also know that there's a certain point at which the kid loses control of the guy once he hits a certain geographical point. So I'm not exactly sure what this, they assume that he could have done to get the kid, to get the guy out. But yeah, I, I could see them talking to him. But yeah, it's very dystopian, the whole, I mean, the no lawyer present. I mean, the, the kid's like super rich, right? At one point, he turns down like $50 million or whatever it was. A hundred, because they double it. And, and he's, only, he's only 17, uh, he said yeah, earlier. Yeah, he's just like, nah. He's like, no thanks. He's not for sale. Even though he's only got like one game left with the guy or two games left at that point. Okay, it's just bizarre. But um, yeah, very dystopian. Um, very fairly accurate. I Sorry, mean, re repeat US that part one more time. Repeat that one more time. Dystopian and accurate. I mean, uh, the government has, the U.S. government has declared that it has the right to secretly detain U.S. Americans, you know, with no trial for indefinite, indefinitely. All they have to do is say that you're some sort of foreign enemy combatant or whatever, and you can disappear to some black site somewhere. That's not like a conspiracy theory. That's mainstream news, fully admitted. Got the documents. The government. Well, not that they got the documents, and that's like signed into law. Right, right. The, uh, the Patriot Act and whatever else. All right, so we got, we got about five minutes left, so I want to touch on one more subject and then uh, do our final summary rating review out of, out of 10 here. So what was my last comment? It was... Um, Oh, the Geek Squad, the henchmen for Michael C. Hall, Ken Castle, uh, Dexter, the dozen or so people running and operating the game, the infrastructure of it, the, the, the IT stuff. Those guys are complicit in all of this stuff. They're present. They're ever present throughout the entire movie. They're the ones who actually go and crack down on the humans, like the, the uh, resistance cell, and they go in and murder all those people. And then at the very yep. end, when uh, the kid, I forget his name, is, is it Jesse or something? He takes control of 300 and, and kills Ken Castle, kills Dexter. And then 
300's like, these, all of the de- geeks guys like walking away. He's like, oh, hey, guys. Hey, hold on one second. Would you mind turning this off? <laughs> yep. He's not. That's literally how, but uh, literally what happens. He's not like, you motherfuckers are part of this shit, and you're guilty. You permitted this. You allowed this. You facilitated this happening. I would view them as part of the enemy, right? Yeah, and then the idea that he just asks them to turn it off, and they're just like, yeah, okay. And they just touch a button on their iPad, and it just turns off everything. And they're like, well played, Cable. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Tip of the hat to you, sir. <laughs> I, think that, I think, you know, they, they ran out of ideas. You know, it happens when you're writing a story. It's, it's, it is bad. It's just real bad. But yeah, the, the, the conclusion to the movie is poor. Um, it doesn't answer, you know, it doesn't resolve all the stuff. Um, Cable has his family back we assume, but he still has the mental control thing. Uh, the guy touched his iPad and supposedly turned it off, but so, does that turn off society? So all those people are out of jobs now? Right, and, yeah, yeah. He's destroying jobs. I don't know. Who well, knows? The, the tech, we don't know. But, but the technology now exists, and if it's as simple as touching a few buttons on some iPad, it could be turned on again, right? Seems rather sure, why not? simple. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it ends like very, uh, very open-ended, inclusively... And let's get into our final summary and review. So I'll start with yeah, you. So, okay, so this movie was a, a music video set to music that tried to be a movie, tried to have some sort of narrative cohe- cohesion. Um, it asks some interesting questions, and it sets up some interesting points to talk about, some kind of ethical lines that, you know, would you be comfortable with X happening or not? Um, but it, this it utterly fails as, for me as a movie. If Maybe I'm just an old man sitting on my porch telling kids to get off my lawn. But this movie was like an epileptic seizure waiting to happen. Um, I, I felt no connection to any of the characters at any point. Um, and the only, the only emotional attachment I did have happened by accident because I happened to, you know, hate the state and hate it when they come in and mess in people's lives. So, yeah, big, big shit show for me. Super not recommended. Uh, I'd say it's like a, like a two. Barely qualifies as a movie for me. But I'm glad I watched it. I am glad I watched it. I'm glad we had this discussion because it is it does pose interesting questions. All right, so I'll take the baton. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much summarizes my feelings as well. Though my my rating might be just a hair higher. Uh, I am glad that I saw the movie, and I'm glad that it brought up so many topics of discussion because there are a lot of interesting facets that that bear. Uh, talking through, but you're right. It's not like a, a good movie by any stretch. There's so many plot holes and inconsistencies and just flash kind of overlaying the whole thing to try to make it kind of this attractive over kinetic action, like seizure inducing um, action movie, you know, and it's, uh, it's not something I, I do want to watch again, though it was, like I said, worth watching. And I think that it, it did bring up a lot of things to discuss. So I'm going to go with a 3.5 on this. Uh, just because of, of the amount of content that was able to be brought to be discussed. Fair enough. Not, you're not wrong. I mean, if people, if people are out there that actually like this movie, you know, you're not wrong. You like what you like. If, if this, I mean, this is a very heavily stylized movie, and, you know, different styles are not for different people. So this movie was very much not for my style, my sensibilities. Um, if this is more, you know, a younger generation style that this really appeals to them, then, you know, go for it. But I, I think you lose emotional connection when context is lost, when it's just a bunch of gloss, a bunch of flash and style and style over substance. It just wasn't, wasn't good. All right. Well, well said. Well, hey, let's uh, wind down the Last Nighters here. We are the Last Nighters, Robert and Daniel. And please subscribe, like, comment, etc. down on the uh, YouTube channel here. And uh, uh, we say good night. Good night from last night.